Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Happy Thursday, everybody. Anthony Cazenza here, joined by John Sheeran. It's been a busy couple of weeks, and I know the Bengals have been busy with a lot of pre-draft stuff. We've been busy at Cincy Jungle. John's been busy at A to Z Sports, and we have been busy here on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel and the Orange and Black Insider. Anthony, John, John, what's going on, bud? We've got a couple, couple things to get to today as we break down some things going into the draft. Yeah, we do, man. It's just one week away from the drafts. I'm just, I'm ready for it before my mind just rapidly, unschedulely disassembles. <laughs> I, you know, this the the draft weekend for me is always a tricky one because I have like three or four family birthdays um, on that that fall on those days every year, and so I'm like, oh man, like last year when when we were at the draft, I had to miss a couple of family birthday things that I was there. I made it back for one, but. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, I always got to kind of navigate that when I really, truly just want to sit and engulf myself in draft coverage for the better part of three days. And of course, we'll be bringing you all kinds of different stuff on our channel, our, our program, and of course, on CincyJungle.com. I know John's going to be killing it over at A to Z Sports as well. So we'll be bringing you a lot of different stuff. We'll be collaborating with other podcast will be bringing on special guests breaking down the picks all kinds of different things um for you there again if you're new here welcome we we had some nice comments from some uh, some people that we hadn't heard from before on some of our videos we appreciate you if you're a new subscriber and if you want to do that you can subscribe on the uh the show button on the i guess it would be your left my right hand side of the screen um or i guess your right hand side of the screen you can click the show icon to subscribe click the bell to be notified when new content is available, when we go live, that is for YouTube, of course. If you like the Facebook stuff, you can give a thumbs up on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. Join about 80,000 plus people there. Um, and then, of course, we stream on Twitter as well for the live shows. And if you can't catch us, because I know sometimes we try and keep it on the same night, same time. Sometimes our schedules get a little wonky. If you can't catch us for the live stuff, then you got to get it afterward on your favorite audio platform itunes stitchers spotify google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. we are there along with three and out coach speak chalk talk uh with matt minnick and of course bengal jim and friends talking football so we're going to do a little bit of a different format tonight a little bit of a different show we usually kind of dive into news and do a state your case or you know kind of some different things um we're we're doing some stuff that we've done before, but we're just hitting the draft heavy this week. We've got two draft profiles to get to, 
two guys that I think are going to be intriguing to the Bengals for a variety of reasons, just a matter of when in the draft. And of course, we're going to do a mock draft uh, for you as well. We we don't we try not to over inundate with our mock drafts, but we've got another one we're going to do. It's our second edition. We'll probably do one more next week. Uh, John and I will talk about that, but we'll probably do one more next week as a final one before the draft, and then uh, we'll get into draft coverage as the weekend unfolds next weekend. So let's get to it, um, John. If you're ready, I was going to start defense first. Um, unless you want to start with offense, I think based on the show picture that we have, it's not going to be much of a surprise. So we can start offense if you want to go with him. <laughs> up to you. You you flip the coin in your mind's eye and tell me which one you want to go with first. I'm going to go the pre 2022 Bengals route and start with defense first. Defense. Okay. So um, I started doing some just some mock drafts and stuff. And this guy started popping up um, a while ago, months ago, you know, kind of in the later rounds. And I'm going, let me just look into this guy here. Um, the, so the Bengals are in need of an interior defensive lineman, namely a three-tech, one that can get after the passer, obviously help out in the run game too, but maybe get those rotational snaps in there and have effective rotational snaps. I think that's why. Most people are enamored with Kalijah Kansi, the athletic profile, the production, et cetera. Um, but there may be, I don't want to, I hate saying poor man's version, but there may be a guy that could be had later in the draft, the middle rounds of the draft from a big school. He's got some question marks, but he tested really well. And he plays a position. He's a versatile guy. And he's a guy that I think the Bengals could look at in the middle rounds. Now, who is it that I am, to whom am I referring John Sharon, and that is Jalen Redman, the interior defensive lineman from Oklahoma. And here's the profile popping up for everybody here. I will full screen this for everybody as we uh, get started here. So who is this guy? Some of you may ask. Some of you may know already who he is, but uh, he is a guy who's played a little bit of edge, a little bit of interior. He's 6'2", 291. He is older. He's 24, just turned 24 in March. He's a redshirt senior. There's There are reasons for that. Uh, he did have a 481 40-yard dash. My understanding is that was the second best for interior defensive linemen at the Combine. And the arm length, not long, 32 and 5 eighths inches, John, but o- over 2 inches, I believe, or at 2 inches longer than Kalijah Kansi, a guy that a lot of Bengals fans like. So, Here's some of the things. The numbers aren't eye-popping, but 71 total tackles in his career, 23 last year, tackles for loss. This is a good number here, 31.5, especially with some time being missed. I'll talk about that in a little bit. 10 last year, 14 total sacks from the outside, from the inside, four last year, primarily inside. Uh, Passes defended six. He had four of those last year. That's a good number. Forced fumbles, only one in his career, none last year, two fumble recoveries none last year and we have a fun clip in a little bit about one of those fumble recoveries in just a second so this is a guy john that i think you know middle of the rounds this he tested well and i'll show the ras later here he is here um coming in does a nice uh spin move off the i believe it was the guard there makes the tackle off the quarterback who was running the ball um and then here he is He, he does a lot of this stuff the loop around and find, find the crease to get in there. He, he's I, I've noticed that on tape. Here he is off the edge there. Beats beats the guy off the edge, off the right tackle spot, gets in there. 
We've slowed this one down for you against the run here. Kind of pushes against uh, the, the lineman there and then comes in, makes the tackle for loss there. Nice play. And I believe that was a forced fumble. Um, uh, and then you see here uh, kind of fills the hole, sheds off the block, makes the tackle for loss as he's getting pulled to the ground by the Kansas State offensive lineman. We've slowed a lot of these down for you here. Um, and then you see here, nice move laterally. He got a little help there from, I believe, a linebacker, but nice move laterally to make a play. This is a tackle for loss again, kind of splits the blocks, makes a nice tackle for loss in between there. Um, and then this one, this is the fun one here. This is everybody's hero from last year, Brock Purdy. Ball gets knocked out, and then look at him scoop. Out, I mean, outrunning big guys, but, I mean, he's moving for a big dude, right? I mean, he's moving. He takes it to the house. So that's the nice fumble recovery that I told you about earlier. You see that, you know, here's there's two different RAS scores here. The first one I'm starting with is the defensive end. If you look at him as a defensive end, only 7.72. Good weight, good bench press, good vertical, but the rest is kind of good, okay. Total RAS score as a defensive end, 7.72. Look at this one as an interior defensive lineman. You see there the poor is the size, but look at the speed grade, elite. Composite agility grade, great. Composite explosion grade, elite. So 9.68, um, it was the earlier testing, but he's still known to be around that number for the RAS score as an interior defensive lineman. So there's a big upside with that going forward. Now, why isn't this guy being talked about a lot? We talked about the age, and the reason why I'm, I'm going to start kind of down at the bottom of these, of these little hash marks here, health and age concerns. There were some blood clot issues, I think, early in his career, he took a year off of COVID because of the blood clot stuff, and he just kind of wanted to stay away from football there. So he's kind of a super senior. Um, and, and so there's a little bit of – he has some missed time besides that. So, you know, there's some a, a little bit of concern there. But he's got versatility. You can see there, played off the edge, played at three-tech. Is he a tweener? Can he st stand up to NFL size and talent regularly? Uh, he still has shorter arm length overall, but he's longer than Cansey. And um, I'm going to show you something in just a second. Really good block shedder on tape as well. So that, those are some of the things that I saw from him. And before I get your take on this guy, John, I want to – and I, I hate to do this to the poor kid because I don't like to compare to all-time greats and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to show you something. I wish I could side-by-side -side these, but I, I'm going to – do this here. This is just a snapshot thing on NFL.com of, of Jalen Redmond's prospect profile. You see the grade, average backup or special teamer is kind of what they tag him at at this point in time. You see the, the size, 6'2", 291, the arms, 32, 5 eighths inch, hand, 10 and 1 and 8. You see the production score, production a little low. The defensive combine defensive uh, tackle rank puts him at 8th. Look at the athleticism score, though, puts him at 3rd for the position uh, at the combine and then the total score of 75. So you look at the, the, the next gen stats breakdown along with the height, weight, all those measurables there. And I want to pull this guy up next to it as comparison because there are comparisons and this guy carved out a hall of fame career and was drafted in the fourth round. And that is Mr. Geno Atkins. Jesus uh, Christ. So I know I hate to do it, but look, six, one, two the arms, 32 inches, hands smaller. You see the similar production score. The production score wasn't there. It was 11th for that class, combat 2010 combine. But look at the athleticism score. He was tops defensive tackle rank at the combine for that. So you look at that, and then you, you see here the total score. So, look, 
I'm not saying he's Geno Atkins. I'm not saying that's that's what you need to expect or anything like that. But there are similarities here. And what my point in bringing that up is Geno Atkins was one of the top defensive t- interior defensive tackles of his generation. He was a fourth round pick. And there are some measurable stuff that are similar. There's maybe some tape stuff that's that's uh, similar here. So I want to put all of that into context. And I want to give, uh, now that you've kind of seen a little bit, heard a little bit about this guy, I'm sure you know a bit about him. Anyway, John, I would love to hear your take on him. Yeah, when I was when I was putting together like fits for what the Bengals, like if you were to identify their needs and where they're likely to take each position in the draft, Jalen Redman popped up as like that ideal development three technique to be found somewhere in the middle of the draft the reason why i struggle with like i understand like the geno comp and obviously it's not a perfect comp by any means but the the reason why i feel like it would be harder for him to carve out like a long-term starter career is there are definite issues with production like he was 12th percentile in sold tackle market share at oklahoma the past rushing production and just the overall backfield production was there i believe pff charted him with an average depth of tackle of negative 0.4 yards which means a lot like, of tackles average, for loss and stuff yeah he, was, he yeah. was getting into the backfield and as we saw with those highlights and by far i think next to uh adi barway from northwestern the best overall athlete in this entire class of defensive tackles he was above the 93rd percentile and every single one of explosion speed and flexibility for his size it's just it just hurts when you don't have a strong production profile and you're already 24 coming into the nfl and those are the reasons why he won't he won't be drafted until at earliest round four but if you're in the later part of round four and you've knocked it out of the park so far with with your three other picks i could definitely see that the argument to take redmond at that point i think you might be able to get him a little bit later just because circumstances that weren't that weren't in his control obviously you know the COVID year really really hurt him and entering the league at such a, a an old age like this is this is renell wren almost because renell wren was a was a great athlete coming out of Arizona State, but he was also 23-24, and he was also not that productive at Arizona State. So there are there are similar positives and negatives from uh, past Bengals that can kind of be attributed to Redmond here, and that's why he will be a third-round pick. But if you want to bank on the athleticism as being a just a rotational guy to start, and if he's anything more than that, that's phenomenal. Like, I'm okay with that bet. But the expectations are definitely tempered. So – you make a really good point about the production stuff. And obviously that there's, there's things about that that are concerning. My counter argument to that though, is he didn't really, it, while it's an asset that he played some edge stuff and he played interior and he moved to different spots on inside and, and it showed flashes at each spot. He never really found kind of a, a true home and didn't really, you know, have a, a specific position for say like two full years. So we talked about, DTR last week where it was like he's a five-year five year guy finally when Chip Kelly got there you started to see the big strides and all of that well here it kind of felt it kind of is also a little bit like well did he really have a true fair shot because he was moved around so much you know that's where you kind of go well you know if you just kind of played him had he bulked up maybe you know as a sophomore as a junior in his final two years you say hey bulk up a little bit you're going to be a three tech you're going to be right inside and and let's let's coach you up there maybe the production would have shot up a little bit more instead of kind of moving him around so much, but that's what the defense needed. And he had the skill set to be able to do some stuff off the edge, move around along the defensive line. So he's a guy I like, I, I think there's Val. I think if you get him day three, maybe early-ish middle-ish day three, 
I think there's a lot of value there. And I think even if you bypassed IDL in those first three rounds, um, you know, this could be a guy that could be that rotational guy. Maybe it takes him a little bit to, to ramp up or what have you, but uh, this could be one of those guys rotationally that could help you out, particularly with the other starting talent on the defensive line that the Bengals have that would be kind of shoulder to shoulder with him. Yeah, he just fits. I don't want to say he fits exactly what they need because, again, that's maybe giving him a little bit too much praise, but like the prototype of what they're missing at defensive tackle, he's basically that. Yeah. Just an all-around great athlete who can just push the pocket, just just shoot the gap immediately, and that creates opportunities for guys like Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard to get more sacks than they did last year. Like the absence of Larry Ogunjobi, like that was the main impact of his absence was that there wasn't enough penetration up the middle and it was harder to just finish that pressure off the edge against other quarterbacks. So the, the role for Redmond is immediate. I just – th- that's the fear when you're when you're just drafting just for a one-year outlook. Like beyond this year, I don't know how much more Redmond has to develop just because he'll already be 25 next year. But I, I would be interested to see what kind of impact he can make this year for sure. I just bring this up. We're going to move on to the next guy in just a second here. But I just bring this up here. I'm doing some quick math. Um, you see the, the tackle amount 71 in his career, right? Um, 31.5 of those tackles have gone for a loss of some kind. That's 40, that's over 44%, almost 45% of his tackles have been tackles for loss, be it sacks or a, a negative run. And then you look at just last year, um, you know, 10 of his 23, same thing, about 44% of all of his tackles have gone or last year were for loss. Um, and so that's a guy where, you know, the, the overall production, you know, in terms of huge amount of tackles or what have you, isn't there, but he's a guy that, you know, when he makes the play, it's usually a high impact play. And that's where maybe as a rotational guy, you know, you kind of, it's kind of a, you know, a pinch hitter that seems to swing for the fence and, you know, <laughs> every once in a while he'll put one out of the park for you, you know, uh, and, and more often than not, when he gets, when he gets his hands on a ball carrier or a quarterback, it's, they're going down for, for a, a loss. So, uh, intriguing player. And I think, you know, again, if he's, if he's there day three, could be a guy that, uh, would bring a lot of value. So we've talked about defense now. Uh, let's, let's have some fun on this one, John, this guy is a highlight machine and I'm going to start, I'm, I'm going to still go with what I've been kind of, you know, that tell you about height, weight, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but when we get to the film, I'm going to go to a, a spot that maybe, you know, not a lot of people think to, talk about um, because it is an important fashion. It is a talking point for the Cincinnati Bengals going forward. Here is Jameer Gibbs, the running back of Alabama. Uh, This guy is a hell of a fun watch. Um, He's smaller, but he plays bigger than his size quite often. 5'9", 199. He's only 21. He just turned 21. He is a true junior. Lit up the 40-yard dash, 4.36, and you can see that in the tape there a guy that just runs wild runs harder than he um than he you know shows uh, you know he, he plays a little bigger than his size on his film um that's just kind of the theme so uh, again a guy that i i think a lot of people like he would be in that conversation late first early second or maybe in the second if he slides a little bit further than people think but not a lot of wear and tear on the tires there. 383 carries in three seasons, 151 last year. 
split a lot of touches, but was electric. 2,132 rushing yards in his career, 926 last year, 5.6 yards per carry in his career, 6.1 last year, 15 rushing touchdowns in his career, seven of those last year alone, 103 catches in his career, 44 of those, I believe that was the best in his three-year college career last year alone, Uh, 1,212 receiving yards, 444 of those last year, eight receiving touchdowns, three of those last year. A lot of comparisons here too. And I want to stop here because this is the, uh, a lot of comparisons to Alvin Kamara. So this real quick, I'm going to rewind this a a second here and we'll bring it back. This is going to be some pass blocking to start off. We'll get to the fun clips in just a minute, but this is, we're going to, we're going to, and I've slowed these down. Here he is in the backfield. Watch him come off and help out a guy looping around off the edge, puts his shoulder in there, stops him, and then this is a completion for a big gain here. Not a big, big thing, but, you know, here he is again, off play action, stymies that guy coming off the edge and allows, I think that's Bryce Young, to to make a nice play, uh, nice gain off there. And then here's one more, I believe, where he uh, sees the guy coming in the hole, stands up to him a bit. The problem is the size. That's not, that's, you know, when it comes to blocking. And then here he is uh, at Georgia Tech before he transferred to Alabama. And this is just a theme. Guys cannot bring this guy down. 5'9, 199, but he plays like he's like 220 a lot of times. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, there's the speed. That guy didn't bring him down. He's carrying this guy for a long time. I think this is a touchdown. He spun around, like, looks like he landed on his feet, but maybe not. And then here you go here. Uh, you, you see him cut back, nice vision, and he is absolutely gone down the sideline. No one's catching him here. So this is him as a runner. Um, what about him as a pass, uh, as a receiver coming out of the backfield? This angle route is just a money route with him where he goes kind of the outside and just arrows back inside. And then look, just guys cannot bring him down. Look at me, guys, it takes to bring him down. This is a guy who's under 200 pounds, John. Um, and here he is back at Georgia, Georgia Tech here again. The little angle route across the middle, boom, inside, touchdown. Uh, and then this, he split out wide on this one. He's he's the wide guy at the bottom of the screen. He comes back to the inside, makes a, a jumping catch there. Nice play, um, play action again, just kind of off to the flat. And here he goes off to the races. Guess what? Missed tackle. Guess what? I, I mean, it, it's unbelievable how many guys it takes to bring this guy down. He just plays, like I said, plays way bigger than his size. And here he is up, oh, missed tackle. Bye. And I think there's another missed tackle. Yep. And then I think maybe one more there. Yeah. So here's the RAS for him, 8.06. A lot of the, the dings on that come with the height and weight. Uh, not a great vertical jump from him either, but the speed grade, grade is elite. Some people compare him to Alvin Kamara. Some people think he's a little bit like Chris Johnson. Uh, depending um, how you how you view him, but a versatile guy, a guy that I think has three down potential, may need to add weight though to help out as a blocker. You see him, he's willing, he'll put his body in there, but NFL guys are bigger and stronger, may need to add a few pounds if you want him to be a three down guy, explosive and fast, that goes without saying, plays bigger than his size at times, tackle breaking machine, and I know that's a criticism of the current starting running back for the for the Cincinnati Bengals productive guy, but a guy that a lot of times in the open field just kind of goes down at first contact. Didn't seem to be the case in a lot of stuff I saw with Jamar Gibbs. Movable piece on offense. I said he played he split out wide. You know, you can you can have him as a receiver in the backfield. You could probably even play him in the slot occasionally if you wanted to do that. He's very young with the high ceiling potentially not even being reached yet. So this is a guy it may take that number 28 pick if they love this guy. It may take a move up in the second round, 
if they love this guy. Um, there is a lot to love, though, John. Again, Kamara-esque, a little bit of CJ, CJ2K uh, out of this guy. Speed, vision, um, and, and some elements that I think make him a potential third three-down back for the Bengals coming up or, or any team uh, who, who drafts him at the next level. Yeah, he's another one where I just struggled with finding the good comp, and this is why I don't really love player comps because they are very imperfect i i think like jamal charles has also been brought up with him it's a good one. and like when i think of jamal and chris johnson and even camara for that for that matter they were all so balanced and they were just so smooth as like as a glide they just glided across the field right they just accelerated in ways that we've never seen before i don't think he's quite at that level but I think the Camara one is the most interesting to me just because the journey is interesting because Camara started at Alabama and then he went to Tennessee because he didn't never got the opportunity at Alabama and he still never really like took hold of like a huge role at Tennessee, which is why he ended up falling to the to the third round. The fact that um, Gibbs ended up going to Alabama and then leading the team in both rushing and receiving, like it, not all Alabama playmakers who are really hyped up actually produce at a high level, but he did. He was like 91st percentile in like total offensive yardage market share for running backs. And again, at Alabama, like that, that's meaningful because oftentimes guys at big programs, they get overhyped without actually producing at that level. But, but he did, which is why I think he belongs in the first round conversation. The athleticism comparisons in general, I struggle with because I know he's a great athlete, but I feel like he's almost, he's almost one of one to me. Like I, I can't really like find a clear, like this guy is this guy, and I don't. I definitely don't want to put like Jamal Charles next to his name just because Jamal Charles is the most special running back who never gets talked about nowadays. And I don't think he's quite that smooth of an athlete. But I do. I do want to say though, because people will look at his size and think he can't run between the tackles. I think that's an underrated part of his game. I think he mm-hmm. was fine, you know, going between the tackles. And I think his vision is also really good for what it is for him being 21 years old only 393 i want to say career carries or something around that range so people look at the workload as a a negative as an inexperience no like he's just scratching the surface of what he can be and the fact that he's really young the fact that he doesn't come in with a ton of wear and tear on his body it's only positives to me but the alvin Kamara one going back to that like the main value for Kamara for me was just him being a receiver and so many times this year when the Bengals have dealt with defenses just capping their vertical offense, right? And they've had to go down to the check down range. They've had to go to the angle routes, the flat routes, but these running backs and tight ends, and sometimes it just didn't work out. They were still ended up ending up in second and long and third and long situations. Gibbs is just a breaker of that, right? He'll take a two-yard pass and turn it into 20 yards. He will turn these second and long, third and long situations to second and manual or just convert the chains and move the chains on first down anyways. So that just keeps the offense on schedule for this year, for next year, the year after that. I think Gibbs will see the value of his rookie contract. What do you do with him beyond that? Like that that's just an unknown just because he is a running back, but he solves a big problem with this offense and it, and it helps the offense get out of the situations that they don't that they did want to be in last year and it just forces the defense to adjust and gives the oppor- gives opportunities for Chase, for Higgins to really take advantages of other coverages now that they have to account for Gibbs in the backfield. This may be an unpopular opinion, what I'm going to say, um, because obviously you use either a first-round pick, a second-round pick on this guy. He's the presumed starter, especially with the price tag and, and other things that are happening with Joe Mixon right now. But let's just say for the sake of argument, the Bengals have approached Joe Mixon about 
a pay cut, a restructure, whatever you want to call that. And it lessens the cap hit. It lessens the money there. And then you draft this kid this year. So you have Joe Mixon still with you and you bring this kid in the fold right away. You know, you kind of had the, 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 the two hammers with Mixon and Pirine last year. And this is a little bit more thunder and lightning if you did keep Mixon in the fold here. So you'd have that four, three, six speed with the size and strength of Joe Mixon as well. But this kid also, even if it, if, if you really want to get creative and go almost Reggie Bush style with, with, with this thing, this kid returned kicks as a, as a freshman at Georgia tech too. Um, so, I mean, this, if, if you're looking at, at kick return, you know, solutions. It's not ideal to say, Hey, our first round pick or second round pick, he's going to be kit returning kicks for it. Well, if he's, if he's a heavy rotational running back to spell and you've got kind of the thunder and lightning approach at, at the running back spot, he can occasionally do kind of maybe the Adam Jones thing on kickoff returns, provide some spark there. Why the hell not? You know, I mean, it's, you, you put the, you get your most electric players on the field and you get the ball in their hands. And I'm going to tell you, John, if you have, I, I know there's all the talk about offensive linemen and beefing up the trenches. I'm all about that. The Bengals have done a great job of that the past couple of off seasons. I'm going to tell you, man, you got chase, you got Higgins. Even if you keep mixing, if you, if you have a, you know, a new tight end in there, Irv Smith as well. And then of course you have, um, you know, you bring in Gibbs. Think about the team speed. Think about all of the the, the scary elements that a, a, an opposing defense would have to face with all of those weapons on one side of the ball. I mean, we, we've talked about it. Like, running back and tight end became issues with the team as the season wore on where they just weren't – they just didn't have enough athleticism and explosion and space to take advantage of all the cushion that defenses were giving. Like, Hayden Hurst was fine. Just as Samaje Pirine was fine but they weren't striking fear in the hearts of any linebackers who were trying to pursue them from the outside. Like, yeah, of course, Hayden Hurst and Piran could break a couple tackles, but Jamar, Jameer Gibbs just outruns any pursuit angle that you give him, and I think that will translate in the NFL. So he solves an immediate issue here. It just comes back to what does the board have to look like for them to consider Gibbs at the end of the first round? Because I think we're both in agreement that if enough players at the targeted premium positions – are off the board and you're basically reaching at that point and Gibbs is staring at you in the face 28 I think is fine to actually make this investment not only because of the circumstances of what the board looks like but because of the value that he gives that he gives you in the receiving game and that value will persist for the next four to five years while you you have him under contract and when you have to make the decision about what to do with him with the second contract you make that decision in the future but I think it's fine to take a guy like Gibbs because of it, because of how talented he is, because we know he's going to be a good player because he did it in college. Like you're not coming in here with product production questions or athleticism questions or wear and tear questions. I think late first is fine to take him. So, so that there's no other obvious options on the board remaining. Well, those are the two profiles, one offense, one defense that uh, we have for you this week. One, a kind of a later round, a mid round guy that, could be sneaky effective in one guy that may hear his name called on the first night, potentially the early on the second night. We'll see both guys have to be intriguing. And Oh, by the way, both guys from major big school programs with the Bengals usually like out of most of their draft picks as well, because they like that high level of competition uh, and, and seeing production out of guys against high levels of, uh, of competition. So keep those guys in mind, Jalen Redman and Jameer Gibbs as next week rolls on. We are going to get to a mock draft 
Um, John, you have a, um, a simulator you can uh, share with us and we'll, we'll go with that. How many rounds do you want to do today? You want to do like three, four, seven? What, what are we thinking? So I think we did four the last time because this isn't going to be our last time. I, I think four again is fine. We'll, we'll, we'll okay. go quickly though. We'll go quickly. Yeah, we'll go four, and then maybe we'll, you know for our final we'll we'll do seven. So we full screen this for you here. Wait, which uh, which one is this through? This is the PFF again. PFF. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, sliders. Yeah, this is this is fine. So let's just get into it. We got some quarterbacks going off the board quickly. No real surprises that I'm seeing. I think B. John Robinson went to the Steelers, maybe? Yeah, B. John Robinson's a Steeler. Michael Mayer wow. is a Detroit Lion. Miles Murphy, potential Bengals starter, went to the Ravens. Dalton Kincaid went to the Jags. Emmanuel Forbes went to the Cowboys. Kalaja Kansi went to the Bills. Wow, that's a lot of it's a lot of potential Bengals targets that are off the board. Yeah. Um, Darnell Wright to the Patriots. So, as far as players who are still available, like, I think we can all agree that the players that we just mentioned would all be in the Bengals' interest. I think if one of the tight ends are there, that they're probably the pick. If Emmanuel Forbes is there, he's definitely in the conversation. Kalaja Kansi is the wild card. So among who's left, we got Joey Porter Jr., who rarely, I think, makes it this far in any simulator. Brian Brissy, who I think is a dark horse target for the Bengals. Anton Harrison is the best. Didn't they meet with him, Brissy? Didn't they? They 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 did. So they met with him at the, at the combine and then they coached his uh, workout at his pro day. There you go. He was down there with his alma mater. So yeah, I think, Oh, and then I I think Cam Smith deserves a shout out here. I think he's Mm -hmm. probably going to go, if not late first, early second. And I think the Bengals would like, they also coached his pro day too. So those are probably the names that we're looking at at this point. Yeah. I mean, I I guess if you want to, I mean, if you want to play the matching game and all that kind of stuff, I mean, usually a couple of visits or, or vested interest, like you've seen there with Brissy, you know, where there's, where there's smoke, there's fire. But I think, can you imagine what Joey Porter senior would do if his son was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals? He would go tempting. ballistic. Uh, I, I would actually, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm almost of the mindset. I, I think Brissy makes a lot of sense because you're connecting a lot of dots there, but, I mean, uh, and I love my guy Jordan Addison, but not a need for the Bengals there. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, it would be hard for them if, if Joey Porter Jr. is sitting there for them to say no. They love those first-round corners. They haven't drafted, what, a defensive lineman since Justin Smith, right, um, in the first round. So, uh, you know, maybe they buck the trend here if they really like Brissy, but I, I would foresee either, uh, you know, a, a Joey Porter or um, the kid from uh, South Carolina you mentioned there um, down below. Um, that that may be uh, Cam Smith. Um, th- those may yeah. be the guys that, uh, that that I would I would probably point to. Yeah, I think if Porter's here, that's just he's just kind of sticking out like a sore thumb. Like I don't know if he's worth like a top sixteen pick. Because I think there there are production questions, but just the build, like he's he's literally just Joey Porter as a cornerback, and like that's just really that's really tempting. It's really hard to to turn down at that point. Like he's got the length, he's got the athleticism, he's got a dog in him, if you will. I, I think, yeah, I think if the board just falls, they're like, oh, I guess I guess we'll just take Joey Porter if he's here. You know what I mean? Yep, yep, yep. All right, let's do it. I don't expect that to happen, but that's why you just run these simulators. You never know how the board's going to fall to you and what which positions are going to run off like that. 
Well, there's one name right now, as you see, who's who's here. Yeah. Um, there's one name that's just staring me right in the face. Um, and, uh, you know, that's there's another one down below there that's also intriguing. Um, so I, I'm looking right away when you look at, uh, you know, Sam Laporta is one um, and Zach Char- uh, Charbonnet is the other. Uh, you know, you look at what's left at tight end, though, um, man, uh, you know, beyond you know, Schoonmaker, uh, that's way too high in the set. So, you know, this may be the time. There looks like there was probably a run on tight ends there towards the end of the first and into where the Bengals are picking in the second here. So, you may, you know, if you're the Bengals, I, you don't want to do a desperation grab. But, the, uh, you know, Laporta's got a, a really cool profile. He may be a guy that, you know, if there's not a lot of tight ends or, you know, there's a big drop between the next tight end behind him, that may be – where they go and they say, hey, we can get still a solid running back in the third round, the fourth round. I, I think Laporta is just, he's almost like the Jameer Gibbs of tight ends in this class, be, just because he, he brings almost the same value as a receiver. Like he can just take the short passes and just turn it into 20, 30 yards. He was just a man yeah. among boys at Iowa. And I, I think they would value that. Even if he doesn't, even if he's not the complete tight end that a Michael Mayer is, or maybe some, maybe a few others in this class are, to have that athleticism and that upside just staring at you in the face at 60 like i don't i don't i really don't think he's going to be here i think teams love him a lot more than maybe the consensus does and if and if he wasn't there i think charbonnet would probably be the favorite to be the pick here but if if sam laporte is here like he's again he's just he's just staring us at us in the face like are you, are you not going to pick me you know right right that's yeah that that's kind of my my pick right there yeah so let's go with him this is this is looking pretty solid so far, though. I, I will say. Okay, so no, no obvious fall. Like I don't know why PFF loves Stanford quarterback Stanford or Tanner McKee, but they do. Uh, and his teammate Michael Wilson, who's a wide receiver. But as we're looking here, I'm seeing a lot of defensive linemen. Like you had Carl Brooks, who is a high upset guy from Bowling Green. Isaiah McGuire from Missouri is probably. One of the 10, I would say, that fits the mold of like a Louie and Arumo defensive end in this class. Uh, let's look at running backs as well because we haven't addressed that position yet. Okay, so we got interesting options here. Uh, what, what do you think about R- Rashawn Johnson as like a third-round pick? Because he's still ranked, I think, in the, in the consensus as a fourth, but it seems to be a lot of momentum about him potentially pushing day two status. Um, Yeah, I mean... I. He's that's an I, I got to watch more of that guy, quite honestly. And I, unfortunately for him, you know, his teammates getting all the run. Um, so, you know, he just gets lost in the shuffle, but he's got skills. Um, it may be, a, I mean, you're talking back end of the third year, so it, it may be not as big of a reach. Um, you know, at that point, you know, if you really like him, you, you would probably look at that. But what's what's going on at offensive tackle what, or, or uh, defensive check tackle? It out. Anything? So, yeah, Blake Freeland is like the third round is where he's is like where people project him to go but again like that type of athlete typically doesn't last so long in in the draft so i think that's a definite conversation to have at the end of the third i'm not seeing like i think moro ojomo is pretty good the defensive tackle from texas Mm -hmm. but i don't love him here i don't see like okay we can go to edge too like isaiah mcguire would probably be the guy that i would go with that edge here but again like I'm, I'm not married to that so 
I, I think Freeland though, d- d- does present a lot of value here for sure. Yeah, I would I would probably Freeland's probably sticking out to me the most here. Um, and then maybe you grab your running back in the next round based on that group of, you know, pretty recognizable and productive names that were still left on the board. Yeah, and I think with the Bengals that they're probably looking to get a running back like as soon as the second round and maybe the third. But if, if the again if there is if that run doesn't happen, which it probably hasn't happened yet in this scenario, like Tank Bigsby just went off the board. But other than that, still a lot of quality names. I think they might be comfortable enough to just wait for the fourth. So you want to go Blake Blake Freeland here? Yeah. All right. All right, our final pick, we got Sean Tucker as the best running back. Ivan Pace Jr., mm-hmm. who has now met with the Bengals twice. It's hard to not recognize him as a possible target for them. But, yeah, so we had some running backs go off the board at that point. Yeah. Sean Tucker is still available. Deuce Vaughn, Mighty Mouse, is available from Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Chase Brown, the guy who I think ran the ball, I think, 700 times in college but was incredibly productive and athletic. Keaton Mitchell, who also I think met with the Bengals, is still available. And Eric Gray, who seems like a good scheme fit in Oklahoma running backs. Something yeah, man. Izzy. Izzy's there too. Izzy's just all over the board. I don't know what I don't know what people think of him. Because he yeah. like on 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 paper, he looks like a stud. And then you just watch him a little bit more and you can understand some of the questions about how he takes on contact and everything, but I, I have no idea where he's gonna go. I don't either. I don't either. Um so I mean, yeah, I think, you know, uh a couple of those guys intrigue me. Vaughn, Keaton Mitchell, Eric Gray, and even Izzy a little bit there. Um, the value doesn't seem to be there for for Israel. I'm an Aconda, but um, and then Edge was there. So you, I think there was someone from uh, was it Clemson? KJ Henry? Yeah. Um, I don't I don't mind uh, either Jose Ramirez or Yusuf Abdullah, but I'm not like two over the moon yeah. with that let's just see who's who would be the best available at this point like your your guy Voorhees from usc yeah but that's going to be a red shirt year right yeah yeah um and then pace pace is interesting they met with him mm-hmm. it, it, it would be davis allen still here i think davis allen's a clear target for them in this point but if they already took laporta i don't really see it that at this point right uh, it would be weird to not take a running back but i don't I don't think there's an obvious running back pick here. I think we just kind of assume that we would take one in like rounds five and six, and we would just kind of be married to to Joe Mixon or sign Ezekiel Elliott at, the, at this point, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like, I, I think trying to connect the dots as much as possible. Like, pace makes a lot of sense because he just mm-hmm. he just met with them twice, and I, I think he's a really good player. But other, other than that, I, I don't know, man. It, it doesn't. It, we got we got lucky. I like Voorhees. I like Voorhees, but I don't know if I'm in you know fourth round for just a complete redshirt year. You know, if we if he's there, if he's there, you know, middle of day three, then I'm like, hey, you you, you pulled the trigger there. But I, I, you know, I mean, you're not getting anything out of him this year. Not that you maybe need him, but that would be a guy that you would hope. Um, you know, granted, I, I think a lot of people uh, like what uh, Volson brought to the table last year, but this could be a guy that you would think maybe comes in and competes and or you know. Uh, just you know really beefs up the the offensive line but you know he's he's not going to be doing much of anything next year so um good player though yeah i i think the the argument with pace here is that yes he's listed as a linebacker but i think lou can do a lot of things with him he can get after the quarterback yeah. yeah and 
I don't know. I, I feel like, I like that just, pick. just with the way the board is, I feel like he probably makes the most sense here. So we're gonna, I like that pick. We're going to finish with him. Yep. Let's see what they grade us. Kind of kill two birds with one stone with that pick a little bit, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's a Bearcat. I'm never going to complain about a Bearcat. So we got an A. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Porter, Laporta, free. Oh, man. I, I want Porter just for his dad to uh, have a freak out. I would love that. Um, yeah. He would, so he would probably wear an NFL hat if he went to a Bears game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'd probably just wear Steeler stuff, honestly. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Uh, but yeah, not, not a bad haul there. I like that. No. I like that. Not a bad haul um, for four picks. And then we'll finish up next week. Again, cornerback Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. Um, and it was Sam Laporta Sam out of Laporta. Iowa tight end. Uh, Blake Freeland, the tackle out of BYU. And uh, Ivan Pace, the um, linebacker, edge rusher, versatile guy out of Cincinnati. So we had a couple profiles. We did a mock draft. And we are going to get out of here for a, a, a little bit of an abbreviated episode. We're going to drop the mic and get out of here. John, what do you got for us, my friend? I got nothing, dude. Everyone is unverified on Twitter except except you, man. I think you're one of the, the few blue checks left out there. Uh, yeah, I guess. I, I don't really <laughs> pay attention to it. Uh, um, yeah, so I, I, I guess a lot of people are – are they bailing on that? Is that the deal? No. like Are they, are they getting bailed took, on – oh, he yeah, took them away? He took it away, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Oh, I, saw, I saw Tyler Boyd like in James Rapine's mentions. I didn't know it was – I thought he was just a fan. And like, and then repeat quote to you. I'm like, who the hell is he talking? Oh my God, it's Tyler Boyd. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess I gotta, I gotta watch out. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe uh, I'm, the, I'm one of the last dominoes to fall. Um, I don't, I don't have all that much really because I spent a lot of time with those profiles. But those are two players that, uh, you know, I, I really. I know he's not going to be probably a star in the NFL. I know I unfairly compared him to Geno Atkins just again, because of the profile and, and the combine workout and all that kind of stuff. But really I I've come to like Jalen Redmond as a value pick. Now, granted, if you're talking third round or something like that, that may be a little high, but I'm seriously, if you're at the back of round four, if he's there in round five, that could be a guy that, you know, you bring in and just, you know, kind of slowly ease him into the lineup and get him to be a rotational guy and, I don't know. I, I, as I watched him, I, I came to like him a lot. There's some concerns I have, but I came to like him a lot. Yeah, I, I, again, if, for a development guy, if you just want to have him round out the defensive line room and have a clear role for him this year, which I think it would be, I, I just hope he stays healthy, man. I hope all of his all of his health health issues just stay out of his way for his entire NFL career because I think there's a lot to like there in upside. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for us. Like, subscribe, give a thumbs up, do all this stuff. Keep it to Cincy Jungle for all of your news, opinions, analysis, and your podcast. Keep it to the Orange and Black Insider, our YouTube channel, for all kinds of different stuff we'll be bringing you throughout this week, next week, and beyond. And, of course, go check out John and his written work over at a to z sports.com as well. John, have a good uh, rest of your week, man. Maybe we'll come back tomorrow for some listener questions or something if you've got some time. Perhaps, but until then, happy All holidays. All right, we'll, we'll make it a we'll make it a surprise for everybody. We you never know with us, you know. Our yeah. schedules are always wacky. We'll see, but we'll see you soon. Regardless, take care, everybody, and uh, yeah, we'll see you.